Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okay, today we are talking about the season finale of season three, the San Lorenzo job. Beth, what did you think? Let's go steal a country, guys. (laughs) Oh yeah, you literally said that verbatim. (laughs) And I was sitting here going, well, yeah. I was no so comment. disappointed when they didn't say it last episode, and then I got it within the first five minutes of this one, and I'm not mad about it. They really just said, we're just going to hold off for an episode. Like, that's it. Like, just one episode, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then we'll, we'll give Beth everything she wants. <laughs> so, this is probably something that if you don't listen to our other podcast on Supernatural, which I would highly recommend, it is also a vibe. <laughs> We get the line in Supernatural, he's got a GED and a give him hell attitude. And I was literally like, oh, so it's like I had a 23-year-old with a genius with a smartphone and a problem with authority. Yeah. Like, they're the same line. There is no difference. They're mm-hmm. they're the same line. <laughs> and I am just so excited that we finally got here because I love this episode for a variety of reasons. I really love it as a season finale. It's a very different vibe from the first half that we got last week. We're getting that levity back. It's like, okay, now we're... This was a very fun episode of Leverage. This, like, last episode we watched, like, I think I said, like, the tension was palpable. And I really meant that. It was... It didn't feel so much like an episode of Leverage. This felt like an episode of Leverage. It was a lot more jovial. Like, the stakes felt lower, which is insane. Because Because they are in no way lower. (laughs) But, like... The way that it was presented was a lot more the typical leverage style. It was a lot more like quick cuts and like simultaneous things happening. And, you know, there was a little bit more humor baked in through. There was less tragedy, you know. But it's like the team were finally on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone was working cohesively together. together. Everyone had the same level of information, like, and they just worked seamlessly. And this is what we could have had last week if... Elliot had faced his fears and actually told the team what was going on. What was going on, but obviously he was terrified. Mm. Which, look, I stand by. Is valid. Yeah. Yeah. Like, his terror is valid, but also. Honesty is the best policy. Cause them some issues. (laughs) Just a few. Also, I love that I say honesty is the best policy as if this entire episode's premise is not built on the other supernatural concept of (laughs) when people want things really, really bad, they lie. Why? Because that's how you become president. They are gaslighting the <laughs> hell out of some people in this episode. Just But incredibly. Yeah. Like I I really, really, really enjoyed this episode. And what I really enjoyed about it was that it was insane, but in a way that I totally believed. I was like, this is very plausible, honestly. Like it seems like it shouldn't be, but yeah. the fact that Nate actually straight out says, like this entire time I've been running an American campaign and you, like, didn't see this coming. And, like, yeah, they're right. Like, this is actually, like, it seems ridiculous. But, honestly, as a non-US citizen, this is how it feels watching US campaigns. Yeah. Like, it's all ridiculous. (laughs) Everything from the political ad they made this week. Yeah. To the fact that they have Elliot giving an interview on TV about how he's only there for the dog fighting. I know. With that adorable little puppy. Also, I fucking love the fact that they had Moreau watch that because Moreau knows Elliot. And he's got his little glasses and he's kissing a dog. And, like, I just know that Moreau is thinking in his mind of the Elliot that he knows and trying 
to put those two images, like, cross-reference them, and it's just not fucking working. <laughs> oh my god, I just realised, I forgot, I should have told you last week with the reveal of, like, Elliot having worked with Moreau, there is this really funny, like, headcanon going around the fandom that at some point Moreau just gets, like, a random, like, baseball card with Elliot on it <laughs> and is fucking confused, like... <laughs> Like, why is that? Like, damn, he really changed careers, huh? <laughs> that is so funny. Also, speaking of funny things that we should mention, at some point, I swear to God, I predicted dogfighting. You did. But- it was the Rosherman <laughs> job, I think, because you said it sounded like... Oh, like a Dutch hound. Yeah. Like a, a crossbreed of dog. Yeah, yeah. No, I... How do you feel to be, like, six episodes late? I, do you know what? Here's the thing. I cannot believe that that ended up being true in, like, a way that I could not have predicted. I I thought that if Leverage was going to do dogfighting, they would do it as, like, an actual episode, episode arc. Episode dogfighting, yeah. Not, like, as a bit, <laughs> as a part of a con to steal an election. Like, well, you know what's worse than sex and money? Dog fighting, apparently. Yeah. Like, animal abuse. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. We can all agree that animal abuse is bad, you know? It's that fucking meme that's like, I can excuse racism, but I draw the line <laughs> at animal cruelty. And it's like, you can excuse, excuse what? what? <laughs> Literally, though. Like, honestly, I have a note which just says, if crime doesn't work out, these guys should really go into campaign management. Yeah. Because, like, honestly, they're killing it. They turned this entire electorate around in, like, three days. That's and insane. Whether he won or not, the impact that they had was... In one week. Yeah. They had one week. He went from being 30 points behind in the polls. And we know that he caught up at least 10 points in the first, like, couple of days they were running it. Yeah. Which is just insane. insane. Like... Insane. Also, I love Sophie absolutely girlbossing her way into the position of first lady. That is so funny. <laughs> Sophie is an icon in so many ways. And she is fucking terrifying. Yeah. But... I just love the fact that she is A, fake dead again, and B, decided to attend her own funeral a second, a second time. <laughs> I love Eli- uh, Elliot. I love Nate being like, you are terrible at being dead. Do you know that? Like, he's right. He's so right. She's really bad at it. Stop attending your own funeral. Stop <laughs> it. Like, okay, I do want to make a note, though, which is that I 100% called that it was Elliot in the... I've actually got my, my notes to prove... But I absolutely called that it was Elliot who was going into the elevator with the other people in the, like, um, suits. Because, again, his very distinctive walk, I picked, I was like, that's definitely fucking Elliot. I didn't pick that it was um, Hardison with him. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe Parker. Because I was like, I knew that Elliot and Parker were together. Parker that does that sort of. Well, also, Elliot and Parker had been together for the majority of the episode. Yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe that's... It's definitely Elliot. Maybe Parker is also there. Or maybe they split up, right? I didn't realize that it was Hardison also. But then, obviously, they take him out. And before that, earlier in the episode, we get the, like, sniper where they obviously fake kill yeah. Sophie. And I immediately was like, oh, 100% this is, like, stunt. Because it's, it's a fake death. Yeah, the- and I was like, it's also 1 million percent Elliot, at least. Yeah. Because Elliot says, like, oh, like, I'm not in position or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And so I was like... This is 100% what's happening. So yeah. I was very proud of myself. And also, it's like, you just know that, like, Rivera and Moreau are not dumb enough to assassinate Sophie yeah. in front of a fucking crowd. Like, you know that this is yeah. a setup. Like, this is yeah. not... It's it's so good. Also, also, I was so close when Rivera is doing the speech and he's, like, acting all weird. I was like, oh, my God, did they drug his water? 
And my guess was that they drugged it with caffeine, which I think I'd done before, like mm-hmm. to do the ex- accelerated heart rate and stuff. But then it was not the water, it was the watch. And I was like, oh, I should have picked that because Parker stole the watch and they made a point of it. Mm-hmm. But I was also like, I just kind of assumed Parker was doing that just because she could. Um, but <laughs> Not out of character for her to yeah, just do it because she could. Yeah, you know, or that maybe it would be like somehow relevant, like they would need the watch for something. I didn't think that they would put, was it nicotine cream? Nicotine, yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't pick that that was it. Like, I didn't notice he had his watch back on, which I should have. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, they drugged the water. And I was like, oh, I was really fucking close. Mm-hmm. I was like, damn, I... I you knew it was I'd... drugging of some sort. Yeah, yeah. Like, I knew they'd done it. I just didn't quite get the intricacies. But I was very happy with myself that I managed to pick the other two things. Because normally, I miss them. <laughs> I do love the fact, though, that, like, this entire plot, you could pick it. You would have to be... To be... Full, full, in full fairness, you'd have to be paying like insane levels of attention, but they lay it out from the start. The Italian says Moreau is never gonna leave San Lorenzo. Yes, and I did love the book ending of having the repetition of that line at the very end. I thought that was very well done. It's like it gets summed up at the beginning, and like the idea is like you can see Nate think, oh, yeah, no, that's the plan. Yeah. We're going to make it so that he never leaves San Lorenzo. Like, yeah. he can't. Yeah. No, it's beautiful. It was really, really well written. And I thought it was a very fun callback. Yeah. Because, like, by the time you get to the end of the episode, you've forgotten about the first two minutes. But, like, by invoking that same line, you are reminded that you were told that at the very start of the episode without doing a flashback. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really good. If they had flashed back mm-hmm. to being like, he's never going to leave, I would have been like, okay, That's sure. very heavy. Like, yeah. why are we... But by using the line, it just, oh, it was so good. And all they changed was, like, a tiny bit of the inflection. And I was, like, perfect. It was so, not, like, subtle. Like, it's very obvious. But it was done in just such a a seamless way. It doesn't feel like they're hitting us over the head with it. No. It, because it works in both situations. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it makes sense. And it makes sense for the character to reference what she said earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am only very slightly disappointed this episode. Okay. And I'm very disappointed because we did not get Sterling. No, we didn't. I did realise uh, after telling you that we get Sterling every season, I did fully lie to you. Like, fully, fully we do not get Sterling in season three. Because I was like, we he haven't had him this season. does he not appear at all. And I was like, I can't tell you. Like, by the time I realized it, I was like, I cannot tell you. Actually, no, we don't get Sterling this season. Because that just, I, it felt mean. And so I was like, I'm just going to hope that she doesn't notice that we don't get Sterling at all this season. Oh, I've been waiting for him. And by the time we got to the last couple of episodes, I was like, this is ridiculous. And by the time we were looking at international waters, I was like, oh, my God, this is how he's going to be relevant. This is why they needed him in Interpol. I, I was am like, so this sorry. is brilliant. Oh. No, I am I am literally so sorry that we don't get Sterling this season. It's a real big oversight on the behalf of the production team. I can assure you we do get him in the other two seasons that okay. we've got left coming. Okay. He we does, better. You better not be lying to me. He does appear and he does have a significant plot line coming up. Excellent. That's what we like to hear. So I am so sorry that I gaslit you. We do not get Sterling in season three. He's one, two, four, and five. Okay. Just not three. Okay. Look, it's a better track record than um, Supernatural. Supernatural, you've got... He's not in one, two, three, or four. <laughs> so... Yeah. When we're comparing five seasons to five seasons. <laughs> the ratio of Mark Shepard appearances is better in leverage. Way better in leverage. <laughs> 
But yes, no, I did miss Mark Shepard. It does also mean that my prediction from last week about McSweden and Taggart did also fall through, which did make me sad. I was hoping to see them again this uh, episode. But look, we can't. We will see them again. They Mm. they do. They're not the sort of like. They're not the sort of characters who are going to reoccur like several times per season, but like they pop up. Yeah. They're here. They're there. They're little cuties. They're vibing. Um, also, I love that Elliot had such a transition this episode. I have literally never seen him as angry as he was at the beginning when mm-hmm. um, the general got kidnapped. But yeah. then at the end of the episode, I've literally never seen him that happy. Like, it, it's, it's fucking wild. For... <laughs> I have not seen a character's mood turn around so quickly, except for if anyone who has watched Supernatural will know, the the closest comparison that I can think of is Dean's emotional turnaround between Advanced Thanatology and Tombstone. Like, that's it. Like, season 13, is episode Tombstone 5. Is Tombstone the gay cowboy episode? It surely is. <laughs> but season 13, episode 5, going to season 13, episode 6, like... That is the closest turnaround I could think of to compare the emotional range of Elliot Spencer in this episode of Leverage. It's Sorry. fucking wild. I also do just want to say, though, that, like, for me, it's like, oh, this is, like, this is Elliot without the threat of Moreau looming over him. Yeah. Because Moreau has been a threat looming over him for the last three seasons. Mm-hmm. Just because we weren't aware of it... Doesn't mean it wasn't there. Doesn't mean it wasn't there. And it, like, retroactively makes, like, sort of Elliot and his sort of perpetual grumpiness. It puts it all into context. Yeah, yeah. And also, like, Moreau, I think, feels like a bigger win because... He's not just, like, the normal villain they take down Mm. in an episode. He's, like, the villain at the top of the chain of all the normal villains they would take down in an episode. Like, taking down Moreau is, like, knocking over the kingpin. Yeah. Like, everything below him fucking tumbles. You know, everything takes a hit. And that's just... One, I think the implications of that are interesting because it means there's going to be a power vacuum. Mm -hmm. You know, it means that a lot of criminal structures are going to get shaken up, which I think they could choose to sort of, like, look into that for the next season, Mm. which could be interesting. But also, it's just so satisfying to see someone who's so fucking cocky and thinks they can get away with anything because they have money be proven wrong. Like, we get some incredible, like, hard-hitting lines this episode. Mm -hmm. Particularly, you're not the first president I've bought. You're not even the most expensive one. That line just hit me something different. Like, it just... It threw me back to the homecoming job. Where the villain of the week says something along the lines of a U.S. senator or a U.S. congressman is the best investment a company can make. Yeah. Like, you know, the encumbrance rate is insane. Like, you spend a couple of million dollars on their campaign and then you've got, like... Yeah, well, even, like, the underground job and they mm-hmm. had the lady, like, the politician who was basically yeah. in their pocket, you know, and it's Pierce. just... Deborah Pierce. That's correct. It's just wild that someone could ever reach a point where they are that fucking cocky. And actually, Mm -hmm. that falls into the same thing that Elliot was saying. I forget in which episode it was, but the one where he and Harrison get like... The gone fishing job. That's the one. Thank you. The gone fishing job. When he says that arrogance will get you killed. Yeah. Like... And it is. It doesn't mean it doesn't get more killed, but it does, is what is, is... Is what brings him down. Yeah. It's not what kills him, but it 100% is what causes his downfall, is his arrogance. Because he assumes that just because he put Ribera in that position of power, that that means that Ribera is going to... Like, here's the thing. Ribera clearly 
is after power. Yeah. And as soon as that power is inconvenient for him, it's like he's going to jump shit. Yeah. So, of course, when he gets a better offer that comes with just not, maybe not quite as much power, but just as much money, which still lends itself to power. Mm-hmm. And security as well. And security as well. Like, And also, it, he's going from being president, where it's like Moreau put him in that position and Moreau expects him to hold up his end of the bargain to, oh, actually, no, this is all theoretically legit. Yeah. So there's nothing really... And also, he gets to sort of, like, wave off the sort of incident of Sophie's death yeah. Because he gets sort of removed himself from it. Like, he's not contesting for the presidency. No. So he it looks say- like it looks like he did not orchestrate her death because why would he have if he was happy to concede the presidency? The yeah. only reason he would have to try and assassinate um, Vittori is because he was going to contend the presidency. Mm-hmm. So it sort of cleans his hands of that as well. Yeah. While still affording him massive amounts of money and power. Yeah. Yeah, because he will still remain influential. That's just how money works, unfortunately. And that's how ex-politicians work. Like, you don't just not be... Like, you don't step away from being a politician and suddenly lose all of your social and political clout. Yeah, no. That's not what happens. Mm. So it's just... It is... It also really reminds me of the first season finale in which they do a very similar thing, but they use Sterling against Ian Blackpool. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it was interesting this episode, they started it off by saying, like, we can't run any existing con. Whatever we run has to be new. And I just thought that was so interesting because, like, yeah, like, a lot of the time we watch them run these incredible cons, but they're pre-designed. Yeah. Like, they may have to work off the cuff or, like, you know, the bottle job, they may be working Mm -hmm. under very strict circumstances, but they've always pretty much used an existing method. Yeah, they've got a backbone or, like, a skeleton of what they're doing. With. Yeah. And they're just fleshing it out. And it's, like, yeah. tried and tested versions of these cons. Whereas, like, when they're going up against somebody who is actually in the criminal underworld and who would actually recognize, recognize these cons, they have to sort of do something different. They can't just do a standard con because unlike, you know, your regular run-of-the-mill CEO who has no idea about them, Moreau will immediately recognise it for yeah. what it is and he will know how to exploit it. Like, he will know what the key components are and he'll know yeah. how to reinforce them. 100%. To take it in a completely different direction? Absolutely not. We strictly stay on top of this <laughs> podcast. What do you mean? I just want to highlight the incredible decision to have Sophie pop a champagne cork directly into some She's poor man's eye. Like, she is what? truly too powerful. I love her. She is an icon. That moment, I just, no notes. (laughs) She's so crafty. I love it for her. And it's also, like, for me, it's the sort of skill that, yeah, 100%, I can see Sophie being able to do that. Well, it's the kind of thing where, like, we talk about, you know, obviously Elliot being the hitter and, like, being very well-versed in various different forms of martial arts. Like, he knows how to take everyday objects and turn them into weaponry at, like, the drop of a hat. Yeah. Sophie would have very different things available to her to use and, like, things that could conceivably be passed off as a mistake. Like, yeah, like, if she needed to cause a diversion and she was in, like, a gala or at some kind of celebratory dinner or, like, a a first-class plane, you know, zone. zone, Popping a champagne bottle in a specific direction. Yeah, could easily cause the perfect type of diversion because no one's going to assume you did it on purpose. They're just going to assume, oh, she just hasn't popped a bottle of champagne before or, like... 
this is a terrible mistake. Or, yeah. But, like, if that's what she needs to cause a diversion or to incapacitate someone or to, you know, get access to another room, like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Let me, let me you know, watch you while, yeah. you know, you recover kind of thing. Let's put us in a private room. Like, that is exactly the way that she would be able to facilitate that. And so it makes sense that she could do this yeah. with deadly accuracy. Mm-hmm. I would also love to know how many bottles of champagne she has wasted practicing this technique. It would probably make me very sad because I hate food waste, but I think it would also be a fun stat, mm. you know? Obviously. Oh, also this episode we get back dumb hat fake accent Nate. We do! I hope you enjoy dumb hat fake accent Nate. I did enjoy him. I knew he was very serious at the end because he dropped the accent and took off his hat. Yeah. I will say, though, while we are talking about Nate in this episode, Yeah. at the start of the episode he says, you know, I've pushed you into the situations before. I was inconsiderate. I didn't. Now I'm asking you. Please. I was drunk, as per Parker. <laughs> she says, you were drunk, super drunk. And then he says, I remember it. But I would like to point out, no, he canonically does not. Mm. Because in 201, we get him saying, I was largely drunk for most of it. I don't remember half of it. Mm. So which he's is like, lying at some point. He's, which one is it? Nate. Come clean, buddy boy. Like, we know you were drunk, mm. you, and you do not remember half of it. Uh, speaking of lying, mm-hmm. I think that we get some really interesting quotes this episode. Again, about America, specifically about political campaigns, but we get a couple of really interesting lines about sort of both the concept of politics, particularly in the American sphere, but also just sort of generally. And one of them is uh, Vittorio asking, how is a campaign promise different to a lie? And Nate just being like, eh, it's complicated. You know, and that comes off the back of Nate saying, oh, make it a campaign promise. Say, when we win, we'll get married. And then you just don't. And that's so true, which is so fucking annoying. But it is, it is, it is very much how campaign promises tend to work. Politicians will say, yeah, we'll do this. And you know what? They might try, but they actually can't guarantee because a lot of the time you need bipartisan voting and a lot of the time that doesn't happen because the other party doesn't want the like the party that is in power to make good on their election promises because then it makes them look good and they might get re-elected. It's a whole big thing. Politics sucks. Blah, blah, blah. But the other thing we get, which is super interesting and I think is a very interesting comment on media is that in the absence of truth, the media will report rumour. Like, you don't actually have to announce the winner. No. You just need to give them something to report on, and they'll do it. Because also, the other thing is, they are not reporting Michael Vittori has won. Yeah. They are reporting people are rioting in the streets people because... Are celebrating. They got an email mm-hmm. that said this. Yeah. So they are still covering their asses because they are telling the truth. People are, are out in the streets because they got an email that said Victoria has won and it looked like it was an official email. Yeah. And then also you have the fact that those celebrations turned to riots because they found out... About Sophie's quote-unquote death. Exactly. So it's like this thing of like this entire episode is just like all about like those little half-truths and the little yeah. lies... And, like, we also get the iconic line where Vittoria is saying, look, my grandmother never said this. Ned goes, she might say it. In the future, he goes, she's dead. And they go, oh, well, then there's no way of people being able to fact check that she never said this. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Also, we've just got them lying their asses off about Ribera. Like, he's (laughs) apparently now fighting dogs in the palace and... (laughs) 
They're, they're really doing the full like villain treatment, which is great. I love it for them. Yeah, it's iconic. I also love the line, I think I hate you, followed from Nate with, I'm okay with that. And I was like, do you know what? Me coded. I would tell Nate, you know what? I think I hate you. And he'd say to me, you know what? I think I'm okay with that. And like the thing is at the end of the day, this is like so sad coded of Nate, but like <laughs> the ends justify the means. Like it's not about you know, doing the right thing or whatever. It's about getting the right outcome. And the right outcome for this thing is apparently to lie still and cheat to get this actually half-honest dude into, into the president's office so they can get Ribera out because yeah. they have no other options. If General Flores was not arrested because he was a political prisoner, yeah, they would have ran with Flores as the, the candidate, candidate and they would not have had to pull half this shit because General Flores was already polling and campaigning at a much higher level than Vittori. I am glad that he ended up being like the advisory though, yeah. because it lends credence to the idea that this will not be a shoddy presidency. Like it looks like this will not be Ribera 2.0. No, it looks like that because Vittori, let's be real before he had any coaching from like Sophie and Nate, he probably would not have made a very good leader. Like he didn't have the necessary charisma or like the sort of leadership skills. Leadership, but he also clearly is not very confident in thinking on his feet. Like, answering those kinds of questions. Like, he's like, no one's ever asked me questions before. It's like, bro, you should be taking this opportunity. And also, if you're running for presidency, you should know your shit well enough to be able to answer these kinds of questions. Or at least be able to diplomatically say, I'm not 100% sure. Let me get back to you in the Mm. next, you you know, I'll have a statement prepared for tomorrow kind of thing but also he's a teacher he should 100 percent know how to answer random questions yeah. that no one's prepared for exactly like that's part of the job description exactly and so it's nice to know that he's going to have the backup of flores to make sure that he actually is able to competently be run a leader the country and yeah. he's not just going to be left floundering when nate yeah. uh, and sophie Late. you know flutter back off to the u.s but and the i think the key thing though is michael vittori is never going to do what Rivera did yeah. And if he gets voted out of office, he will... Just accept it. Accept. Like, he's not... Yeah. But if he, for whatever reason, like, if he goes up for re-election and he doesn't get re-elected, he's not going to, like, rig the election to stay in power. Yeah, he's not like, going to stage a uh, assassination. Yeah. yeah. No. And I think that it would be very fun, and obviously I don't know if they do, but it would be very fun if we get some kind of update about this, like... Even if it's, like, season five, like, you know, President Vitari up for, like, re-election in San Lorenzo after, like, a strong first-term presidency. Like, I would love to get, like, a little update. Like, even if it's just, like, a background newsreel that, Mm -hmm. like, isn't actually necessarily focused on, I think it would just be a fun little Easter egg, Mm -hmm. you know? But, I mean, that's just wishful thinking, kind of like, you know, Maria and Adam. (laughs) Like, I would love to see, I would have loved to see them on, like, a holiday celebrating their second honeymoon in San Lorenzo, but we can't get everything we want. (laughs) Okay. I feel like we need to talk about Moreau this episode. Mm. Because how are you feeling about him? We've now had the end of Moreau's season arc. I don't think it's a shock to say we really don't hear a lot about, like, I think we get mentions of Moreau in the future, but, like, we don't actually get Moreau again. Like, he is now imprisoned in San Lorenzo. They're not going to let him out. Like, he is... Yeah. For lack of, you know, a better term, he's, like, off the playing board, basically. Yeah. He's dealt with. There, there is... You, something would have to really significantly change for Moreau to get out. Yeah. 
I am actually a little bit disappointed. I really like Moreau. I think as a character, he's very engaging to watch. Mm. I think he's portrayed very well. The actor who plays him is, I think, actually very, very strong Mm. as an actor. And I'm a little bit disappointed that we don't get to see more of him. Like, as much as obviously he is, like, a villain and we want him to be taken down. But he's a charming little bastard. Well, yeah, like, I... I enjoyed watching him on the screen and I I really, really enjoyed watching him and Nate face off. Like Mm -hmm. the scene where Ribera is standing at the desk and we're sort of, Ribera is facing the camera. We're facing Ribera as the audience. And then you have um, Moreau on one side and Nate on the other. And they've got the desk between them and they're kind of like fighting for Ribera. Like it was a fantastic shot. And like their dynamic was so interesting because like, I feel like, Moreau has never had a challenger quite like Nate. No. And so it's phenomenal to watch them outplay each other. Mm-hmm. It's very satisfying as well because it's not like no one's going for like the low hanging fruit. No. It's very, it's, it's like the gentleman's game, you know, yeah. like they are just genuinely outsmarting each other. They like, are both playing chess. They're not cheap shots. No. And so it's fascinating to watch them. And it's so like, they are a good match for each other. Like, Moreau was not an easy takedown for Nate. Moreau no. was a challenge, and you can see that, and he is a worthy adversary. And the same goes the other way. Like, obviously, Nate was able to outsmart him in the end, but Moreau put up such a front. Moreau know? outsmarted him first. Yeah. As they said, like, we went up against Moreau, and he, like, and we blindsided him, and he still almost fucking killed us. Like, we're now going to his home turf yeah. to try again. Yeah, and, like, the moment when Nate says to Hardison, like, you know, we're only alive because the election is still running. As soon as the yeah. numbers are in, as soon as the polls close, Moreau is going to kill us, you know. And I think that that is – I think it's really, really fun to have Nate have someone to actually face up against. Like, in lieu of having Sterling, because normally Sterling is that ad- adversary. Yeah, even if we look at this episode in contrast to last um, season finale. Yeah. Last season finale, we're going against, like, uh, Mayor Brad Culpepper III or whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> and he is with Kajik. They're, like, sort of the main villains. But because of the nature of them, neither of them are smart enough to actually go against Nate. No. Which is why we get Sterling in. Who is smart, smart enough to go against Nate, but also kind of restricted in what he can do based on what his own independent goals and objectives are. Yeah. It's the same with last uh, with season one. Ian Blackpool is not smart enough to go against Nate, which is why he's got Sterling there. And so it's sort of like it is very interesting to finally have like a, a major season villain who is smart enough to go up against Nate on his own two feet without having to rely on, you know, Sterling coming in at the last minute and sort of... The only thing that I kind of wish we'd gotten is, like, I think I said last episode, I thought it was odd that Moreau had never heard of the team, like, whatsoever and sort of seemed to have no inkling of what was going on. And even in this episode at the very end, he's, like, still yelling, like, who are you people? And I do think that's quite fun. Like, I did enjoy that. But I think the one thing that I would have enjoyed more is if we had had the actor playing Moreau show up in the background of episodes as if he was just an extra. Yeah. And so then you could see Moreau watching them run cons throughout the rest of the season. Or like if we'd had people like Chapman who Mm -hmm. were very in like Moreau's circle, if 
we'd had like two of them or something who just happened to appear in the background of like shots at the bar or like when they're casing places, just have them kind of in the background as regular extras. And then in this episode, have them be like his, like two of his head of security or something, you know, like I think it would have been fun to sort of be able to go back through the season and see Moreau or his team, Mm -hmm. like actually being aware of Nate and his And, like, I think it would add a little bit of something to it. Purely because I still think it's a bit weird that Moreau has no idea who they are. Like, he just seems too well-connected to not. But also just because I kind of wish we got to see more of Moreau. Like, as far as a villain goes, like, he's very engaging. He's entertaining to watch. And I think it would have been really cool to have been able to... Like, we saw more of the Italian than we did of Moreau. And I am a little bit disappointed by that, if I'm being totally honest. Well, yeah, because he's very charming. I think it's also just, like, I think some of that does also just boil down to, like, they, they're not really running in criminal circles anymore because, mm. by and large, a lot of a lot of the marks they take down aren't actually criminals. They're, like, legitimate businessmen who are taking advantage of their position of power yeah. rather than actual criminals. So I think some of it does just boil down to that. But then, yeah, it's also weird because, like, the... I'm pretty sure it's implied that the hitman in uh, the morning after job with this the, that's the sniper is actually meant to be employed by Moreau. Yeah, I think that's actually exactly like the dirty cops in the bar are employed by the Italian. She's the one who set that up. But I think that the sniper is actually meant to be Moreau. Moreau. Yeah, and they're specifically aiming for Nate and Sophie, so they should have at least have yeah. recognized them. Though we don't have Sophie interact with Moreau at all until this episode. True, true. And even then, she doesn't actually interact with Moreau. He just sort of, like, sees her her through the TV. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true. But anyway, my point is that I really enjoy Moreau as a villain. Um, I'm a little disappointed we only got so little of him. I I do love the scene, though, where they're talking to, like, General Flores. And they're like, oh, well, like, thank you for bankrupting Doberman. Got his servers nice and cheap. That's really great. He's like, actually, you know what? Don't blame yourselves. Like, I'm just that good. Actually, no, do blame blame yourselves. Yeah, and do you know what? I fucking love that that did come back because that was one of the things that you asked me, like, oh, how do you think this could connect? And I was like, it's got to... Like, it's got to be the technology that they use. Like, it has to be relevant. Yeah. And so I was glad that they did call that back because it's nice to know that it was relevant and it wasn't just... No, no. That that was, yeah. There is actually, like, I thought this this season was more interconnected than it was. But a lot of it is, like, interconnected in, like, looking at Elliot's character journey and looking at, like, the technology and those sort of things rather than actually... Yeah, it's like I was saying last episode. It's very much... It's not really foreshadowing. No. In the traditional sense. It's much more just, like, here's a little breadcrumb that we will mention later. It's not actually necessarily super relevant to the plot or anything. It's just going to be, like, a callback more than anything else, you know? Like, it's a callback to a previous episode. I think it's more like just, like, dominoes. Like, they're just setting up a whole bunch of dominoes that just fall in very specific ways that when you step back, you see a massive pattern. Mm. And it's like, in the moment, you just saw a domino. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I would still argue, like, it's a little less connected than that. Mm. But, I yeah, I see what you mean. Like, it's not so much about actually creating an interconnected story. It's about... All of these little pieces, you think they're just like a single thing. 
but actually they are part of a larger object. Part of a larger object. I feel like for me it's more like somewhere they had a com- almost completed jigsaw puzzle and each episode we've kind of like we've had like five puzzle pieces that I was holding in my hand but I couldn't see the picture someone was making. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like so I'm looking at these five pieces but there's it's a thousand piece puzzle. So it's like they're integral to the overall yeah. picture but individually they're only one one thousandth of the point so like they're not really worth very much by themselves you have to have them in the context of every other piece Hmm. do you know what i mean and then you can see the bigger picture i do like sort of moro just slowly losing his goddamn mind like because it's very clear that it's been a long time since somebody has sort of dared to threaten him Mm -hmm. it's like he's so used to being the biggest fish in the pond oh yeah big time and like you can see that in like i said before in his arrogance you know, and like Elliot was saying all those episodes ago, it'll be your downfall. It'll It's what will get you killed or imprisoned in this instance, you know, and he's right. I do want to talk about Hardison in this episode because I love Hardison more than anything. He is A plus God tier blobber in my brain. He's just so good, you know, like he's just so good and competent at his job. Like I love the fact that, yes, he can work out how to email every person in the fucking country. <laughs> like, obviously. I love the fact that he's like, um, you know, they're just good words that people like. What a line. Like, he's just out here really doing the most. He's making campaign ads. He's emailing people, which, ooh, who <laughs> has the energy to email people? He's, like, out here fucking hacking security systems. Like, he is truly doing... The most. Do you know what energy Hardison is really giving? Hardison is giving Gen Zs all signing up to attend Trump rallies and then literally not going. Do you remember when they, and they, they literally thought that they were going to fill all these stadiums and then literally like 10 people showed up? Do you remember that? Or no. like um, there was some really corrupt like congressman or politician or something and they like... So they're 24 year olds with smartphones and problems with authority. Not even 24. I'm 24 and I'm like the cusp of Gen Z. I'm like a Gen Zennial or whatever the fuck that is. Like, you know, it and like leaking, you know, all of this, this data. But to be fair, it's kind of like... Honestly, people in, like, government positions are kind of just outing themselves as, like, bad people. Like, honestly, we don't even have to do that much. Like, (laughs) they're just out here telling us. He's just giving such Gen Z energy. Yeah. And I love it. I love it for him. Ahead of his time. Also, I realize I completely forgot to point out, in the reunion job, Mm. he says, no, I didn't rig this one, but I could rig elections (laughs) if I wanted to. Which he's so right. Really. At the time, I was like, this is fucking hilarious, but I can't say anything because if I put that like little seed in your brain, I don't know which way it's going to sprout. So Mm -hmm. I'm just going to let you absorb the show as we go. But, you know, like literally in the reunion job, he's like, yeah, like I didn't do this. I didn't even know there was a vote, but like I could rig elections if I wanted to. It's like, yes, baby boy. I love it for him. You can rig elections. Realize your true potential, babe. Realize your true, which is a wild thing to say <laughs> about uh, fucking Alec Hardison and Aldous Hodge, the actor who plays him, because that man is just so many things. <laughs> like truly, truly accomplished. Truly accomplished in so many areas. If you don't know what we're talking about, like, just Google I actually Aldous, don't know what you're talking about. You don't know. Not really. You know, this is the only thing I know him from. You know he's an accomplished... And Supernatural. <laughs> I always forget that he was in that. You know he's an accomplished watchmaker. No. Like, Why would I know this? 
He... <laughs> Why would I know that, Jamie? <laughs> I'm just gonna... I don't want to make any claims about Aldous Hodge that are incorrect, but he is truly, like... Well, A, he's now in bloody a DC superhero movie, so he's now officially a DC superhero. Fun! Um, he has done some truly insane things in terms of his acting, and he is... Oh, you know how you were slamming him in the Scheherazade job for not playing the violin? I did see someone talk about this in the Discord, and here is my thing, though. He's not playing it in the episode. Like, if he can play it outside of the episode, like, amazing. Good on him. I am very impressed. However, within the episode of Leverage, that bow ain't touching that damn string, and that was my point. (laughs) So please don't come for me. (laughs) Like, I believe you. If he's super accomplished, that's so cool. However, in the episode, he is certainly not playing. (laughs) He also knows how to play the clarinet. Fun. He also designs watches. And, like, not just, like, the outside casing. Like, the the full watch. Mm. Like, the timepiece mechanism. Insane to me. That is insane. He also apparently writes and paints. I mean, we love the jack-of-all-trades. And he got his role as Hardison on his 21st birthday. Aww. That's a bit cute. He just... Some... Yeah. He is truly... He does so much, and I love him. I love him so much. Like, he's just truly, he does the most. Okay, I realised that we forgot to talk about some implications, and I want to talk about some implications, because I will not forgive myself if we don't. Um, We get the line from Damien Moreau in this episode. You know how these things are done, or at least you used to. Mm. Which is just, this man is now weaponising guilt. Like, he is truly out here, like... And what's the bet that the... You know how... um You know how Elliot says, I only count it as one and a half times saving his life because I was sent to kill him, and then yeah. I didn't. What's the bet that those time Like, that time that he was sent to kill him was by Moreau? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I would have to... Have to assume that. I also wonder if that was the point when Elliot left. Like, I wonder yeah. if, like, he just never went back to Moreau. Like, he, he left to to do that, mm. met the general, and then just didn't drive him into a river yeah. and instead just drove him somewhere else and then just kept driving. Yeah. You know? Like, I wonder if that was his escape, I suppose, mm. from Moreau. Because I can't imagine it would have gone down that well if he went back to Moreau and the guy wasn't dead. No, it would not have gone well for him if he had gone back to Moreau and the dude that was meant to be dead was not dead. That's yeah. kind of... It would have been a problem, you know? Would have been a problem. Moreau does not take kindly to people... Not doing their job? Not doing their job. Like, he is someone who requires, you know, sort of professionalism. Like, if you're paid to do a job, you do a job. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, like, Elliot Spencer is typically a man of his word. Yes. You know? so... Even when he's not meant to be doing that job, he's doing that job. <laughs> exactly. It was just... It was much more... um chill yeah fun than last like last episode like was really it was a, a lot. lot and this mm-hmm. episode was just kind of like it just it's it just, just wrapping really... up loose ends yeah it wasn't doing much it was just in all honesty last episode felt more like a finale yeah. than this episode did because it, it had the tension this episode just kind of felt like fun like a normal episode of Leverage. and i think it's honestly because they don't like to end on cliffhangers yeah that because the sort of philosophy of the production team was very much part of they were like they weren't trying to end constantly on a cliffhanger 
to get renewed. Yes. If they were going to get renewed, they were going to get renewed. They didn't want to leave it on a cliffhanger to try and inspire that, uh, to try and have that inspire a renewal, renewal for their production. Um, and it also meant that if they then weren't renewed, they weren't leaving the series off on a cliffhanger. On a cliffhanger, like as you can probably attest in this this episode as well. The where we leave the episode, which we still haven't talked about, which we do need to, yeah, it leaves it on that sort of final thing of oh well, you could call this an ending. Mm. It's not necessarily the most satisfying ending, but if it had been left here and you, there was no other leverage, it's like it's not the end of the world. You're like you're not sitting there going oh, but did they actually die? Did yeah. this happen? Did that happen? Like we get left, and there's certainly still like Questions. continuous. Uh, story threads that need to be dealt with and the big one the elephant in the room that we haven't actually dealt with yet which and amazing for us <laughs> we have Nate and Sophie who have slept together now so that is obviously a change in their relationship yeah do you know what's really funny about that is I, I, I don't really have an opinion on it like at this point I think that Sophie and Nate have been acting like a couple for so long that I'm like yeah that just makes sense. I, it doesn't feel like it's out of the norm. Yeah. Like and I realized that it is. Like I realized that this is like a monumentous thing that's happened, like and a new step in their relationship. Mm-hmm. But I also I'm just kind of like yeah that seems right. This mum and dad sometimes they fuck probably, you know? Like but they fuck but I don't want to think about it. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like we fucking had the ho 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 job and they're straight up like giving the kids Christmas presents and stuff. And I was like, yeah, like they're a couple. And I recognize that we haven't like canonically acknowledged that. But also at this point, I was just running on assumption. Yeah. Like at this point, I was just like, yeah, obviously like that just makes sense. So I, I understand that this is supposed to be a kind of a reveal, but it honestly, one, it, they set it up so blatantly that I was like, oh, this is obviously what's going to happen. Yeah. But two, I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. They fucking like it more feels like Sophie was hiding out of the sake of not like not wanting to embarrass Elliot by being like, oh, my yeah. God, mom and dad are having sex. But like less than not wanting him to know. Yeah. You know, it'll be interesting going into next season, how they progress forward from this point. because we've got two seasons left. I really hope they don't do the whole like, oh, it was a mistake kind of thing. Or like the will they won't they like Ross and Rachel style, because I'm like, yeah. Guys, at this point, this has been building to this since the fucking pilot. Can we just just be together? Like, you've already done the won't they for three seasons. Now let's just do yeah, two seasons. Yeah, they made out at the end of last season. And now they're fucking at the end of this one. I'm like, I assume the progression is next. End of next season, they'll get married. And at the end of the next season after that, they'll adopt. I don't know. Like, <laughs> See, I feel like you've got... Buy a house and retire together. I don't know. I feel like you've got the order wrong. They've ad- already adopted the children. Oh, that's a good point. Well, like, they'll buy a house and retire. And at the end of season five, that's your 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 head cannon. They yeah. buy a house and retire. Yeah, I think so. Okay, you know they'll fill it with all the art Sophie's stolen over yeah. the years, and you know. Fuck! I was gonna make a reference, and I don't. You won't. You won't recognize it. So that's. So, I'm just gonna say this for everyone who has seen it. One of these you will recognize, okay. obviously. So they're they've they buy this house this hypothetical house and they retire and you've got old Nate next to Mamas there. Well, I know who old Nate is. Exactly. I assume the other one is relevant to Sophie. Is relevant to Sophie. We will get there. Gotcha. I look forward to finding out what the fuck it is. (laughs) But yes, like I assume that like if we follow the current trajectory, you know, next next season finale will be their wedding and then the next season finale after that will be them retiring together to live their happy ever after, whatever. Yeah. You know, like, that seems to be the trajectory. And I am, sh- like, this is, I'm shit posting yeah. right now. But, like, you know. And I'm also interested to see what happens with 
Parker and Hardison because they also had like a little flirty flirty yeah. going on. They had Not like so a nearly kiss kind of moment. Episode, but last episode, it's like we get the return of pretzels yeah. and this just sort of follows along from it. Yeah. And so I think that's cute. I'm wondering if we'll get some kind of build up on that mm-hmm. in the early next season. It'll be interesting to see if they paralleled Sophie and Nate with Parker and Hardison yeah. as like the like older versus younger counterparts in, like, the new relationship type of thing. I also think it'd be funny for Elliot to just be there witnessing it all. You know, I do think that would be quite funny. Like, he tries to go to talk to Nate and Sophie about something, and they're, like, goo-goo-ga-ga honeymoon phase, and he's like, oh, for fuck's sake, goes to talk to Parker and Hardison, and they're literally exactly the same, and then he's just like, (sighs) you know, Mm -hmm. like, I can see it happening, and I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm honestly not shocked about Sophie and Nate. It just feels... Like, it, it feels like it's been happening this whole time. It feels just like the next step. And they've just finally moved. Well, it just kind of feels like this has been happening off screen. Like, yeah. I just assumed they were fucking... <laughs> like, I didn't mention it because, like, why would I? But, like, yeah, it just seems like they've been doing it for the last season. You know? Like, it feels like they've been doing this since Nate got out of prison. That's literally so Destiel coded. <laughs> ah, yes. Good old fan fiction gaps. <laughs> we do love them. Maybe that's why I assumed that. Maybe I'm just so used to assuming that's what's happening on screen. Because it's like, Dean gets out of hell and they're fucking. Yeah, obviously. Nate gets out of jail and they're fucking. Like, yeah. Duh. Really? <laughs> okay. Well, I think that's all I really wanted to talk about in this episode. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add? No, I think I'm good. Okay, lovely. So how would you rate this episode, the San Lorenzo job, out of five? I'm going to give it a 4.5. Ah, That's pretty strong. I See, I was expecting a four from you. I was going to say... Because you gave last week's episode 4.5, and I thought you enjoyed that one more than this one. I was going to say a four, and then I realised I can't really fault it. Like, not like... Not like fucking sliding on your knees through yeah, boom. Like, if I'm going to give that a 4.5, I can't really justify giving this any less than that, because nothing that happened I actively disliked. I really liked the whole episode. It wasn't Just like, didn't have as many highlights as yeah, last Yeah, it wasn't a standout episode. Mm the way that some others have been this season. But it certainly was not a low light. Um, I thought it was really strong. The characterization was great. It was really fun to be able to see Elliot sort of turn around from really stressed and upset to, like, being super-duper happy, like, getting to see the team work so cohesively, as I always love. We sort of got different split-ups this week as well. We got to mm-hmm. see Parker working with Elliot, which we don't directly see as mm-hmm. often as we see her working with other members of the crew. We got, you know, a lot of fun sort of twists we got the ending of Monroe which was quite satisfying you know bits and pieces and the really the only nitpicking complaint I have is the same thing I complained about last week which is that Harlison just didn't get to be mad mm. and like other than that like the episode and I'm just used to that from leverage now like yeah. I just I just understand implicitly that they're just never gonna let Harlison be angry for more than 10 seconds at a time do I love it no have I accepted it yes so I just think that yeah it was a really solid episode it obviously wasn't as intense as last week but i think it's a nice note to end the season on yeah okay then so how do you think this episode ties into <laughs> getting horror jesus jamie i fucking wonder <laughs> i'm not gonna Sorry, dignify I've, that with an answer <laughs> i've done every other episode this season it felt wrong to not do it here okay lovely well the next episode is called the long way down job hmm. what do you think it's about okay my immediate thought is a mine shaft, yep. but we've already had that relatively yep. recently, so mm-hmm. I'm going to say it's probably not mining again. You know what that's kind of giving me, though? That's giving me, like, supernatural. Oh, they're not going to do vampires. <laughs> <laughs> they're 
meant to be extinct. Like, okay, so never mind. Maybe mining <laughs> is on the table. Look, I'll put it there as a, as a potential. The other thought that I had is shark cage diving. Okay, yeah. Which is a fun way to segue into my favourite prediction, which is that it's going to be about sustainable fishing. <laughs> I just think that would be a really strong way for them to start the new season on a new, you know, turn a new leaf, go in a completely different direction. I think sustainable fish farming could be it. You know, we don't love shark culling. I think that, you know, that's definitely a possibility. The other can like contender, I suppose, is like the long way down. It could potentially be something like, um, I'm thinking of like locations that might be below yeah. ground. So I'm thinking of like the catacombs. I'm yeah. thinking of the metro. I'm thinking of, you know, a basement you yeah. know, level thing. Like I'm thinking of something that is below the surface, whether that's metaphorical mm. or literal. Going by leverage, I'm going to probably lean maybe towards literal. Mm. So yeah, maybe it is a literal underground. Like I know we've had the, like the underground job or whatever, but yeah. maybe this is just, maybe this is something that is in like the... Oh, like in this episode, they literally had it like the tombs or whatever, and it's built yeah. into the tunnels under the city. So maybe yeah. it's something in that kind of yeah. respect. Like maybe mm-hmm. there's some sort of criminal, you know, underground working in, you know, tunnels mm-hmm. under cities. That's not yeah. something that's irrelevant. Like, for example, the catacombs, you know, mm-hmm. is a pretty obvious example. So maybe, maybe we get something in that kind of direction. Otherwise, it's definitely either mining or fishing. <laughs> Ah, yes. Leverage is two <laughs> go-to things. Yes, absolutely. Mining and fishing. Yeah. All right, lovely. Well, thank you so much <laughs> for spending your time with us today. I am so excited for Beth to get to the next episode of Leverage. But the next episode of our podcast will just be our season three reflection. Mm-hmm. So make sure you tune in next week to join us for that. It should be a lot of fun. As long as Bethany actually remembers literally anything that happens this season. <sighs> Look, I can make no promises i'm so sorry i have the memory of i only have room in my brain for three hyperfixations number one supernatural number two taylor swift number three interchangeable but right now probably Heartstopper. i was gonna say number three how taylor swift ties into supernatural oh look that <laughs> is like a permanent like third existing one i suppose but it kind of rotates so closely around the first two that okay. i don't really count it as a separate thing okay number three yeah so it's gonna be possible although i've been watching parks and rec with naomi so maybe that you know mm. but it's unfortunately not leverage leverage has not given me brain worms i love it and i mm. love my bulbos but i just it, it hasn't given me them worms which means it's hard for me to remember everything okay you know hopefully we've got two more seasons for the worms to to make <laughs> to burrow on in yeah maybe the underground job is about worms maybe it's about brain worms okay yeah i'm really tired i thought you were gonna say <laughs> responsible composting practices <laughs> oh my god actual yeah not just sustainable fish farming but sustainability across the board mm. compost your veggies guys all right lovely. thank you so much for joining us if you want to interact with us at all outside of listening to us ramble on for a bit you can find us on various social medias all of the links will be in the description below specifically through the link tree please join us to discuss literally anything but suggested conversation topics include were you also disappointed by the lack of sterling this season and if you were which i assume everyone was because <laughs> why wouldn't you be yeah which episode would you most like? Which episode would you have most liked Sterling to show up in, and why? If you have a reason. Oh, I have an answer. Do you have an answer? I do have an answer. 
I forget what the episode is called. I, you mentioned it earlier, but the one where they go to the high school reunion. The reunion job? That would be the one. Yes, yeah. the reunion job is the yeah. one with the reunion. Hilariously, you'd think I'd remember that. This is what I was just saying. I don't have the correct worms. <laughs> See, because I was going to say the three-card Monty job. Oh, that would also have been fun. Yeah. That would also have been really fun. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I would love to know when everyone would have liked to see Sterling. Honestly, you could say every episode. I wouldn't fault you for that. That would be accurate. That would actually be the ideal yeah. scenario. Mm-hmm. Sterling's just there constantly. Yeah, he should actually be one of the main cast. Yeah. Oh, also, we've now got another full season's worth of bad accents and bad hats. Let's rank them. <laughs> Where, where do you think, like, this episode's bad hat ranks against all of the other ones we've had so far? We have season? had fewer bad hats this we've season, We've had too. fewer bad hats. But we do get the helmet, which you said you counted as a bad hat. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Helmets count. Helmets mm-hmm. count. Mm. Anyway, thank you for spending your time with us today. Please have a lovely evening, afternoon, midday, 2 a.m., breakfast, 3 a.m., midnight. Fucking, I don't know. 11 Zs and second breakfast. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Oh, my head hurts.